Today's podcast is sponsored by the people at Aura.com. Now, Aura offers identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, password management, and antivirus software all in one easy-to-use app. This means that if your online accounts or passwords are leaked online, you'll be alerted quickly, which means that you can be secure from hackers, scammers, and noisy advertising companies. The narcissists are everywhere. Literally, a friend of mine signed up and Aura found his passwords nine times on the dark web. So go to Aura.com slash Dr. Carter. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash D-R Carter and use my link and you'll receive a free 14-day trial. And if you continue, then you'll be able to save an additional 40% off all plans. So thanks to the people at Aura.com for sponsoring this episode. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Surviving Narcissism podcast with your host, Dr. Les Carter. I'm Michaela, the program director, and in today's episode, Dr. Carter is joined by Darlene Lancer to discuss the blending of narcissists and codependency. Hey, Team Healthy, you know that I like to bring to you uh, different names of authors and therapists that can help us along. And boy, are we in for a treat here today. I have Darlene Lancer with me. And Darlene has been around the block for a few times, which means that uh, she's been doing the work that I do uh, out there in Santa Monica, California for quite some time. Now, Darlene, first of all, welcome to the Surviving Narcissism podcast. and, And we're so pleased to have you with us here today. Well, thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, uh, just uh, bear with me on the scratchy voice today and uh, we'll get through it. Okay. So, okay. Now you started your career as an attorney and then you shifted gears uh, after you got into that and you wound up becoming a therapist. That's quite a combination there. So you might want to just kind of let us know, you know, um, how that happened and, uh, you know, how that's uh, impacted the way that you see life. Well, (laughs) I think I've already shared on another video that um, I really wanted respect from my mother, who was a narcissist, and I had older brothers that she idealized, and um, so I thought, well, um, I think she wanted one of my brothers to be a a lawyer, and he wasn't, and uh, so I thought, well, that will gain her respect. Course, it didn't work out that way. She said, I never knew why you wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> and you get a great lawyer. So uh at some point I realized that I just had to please myself. And I uh learned the the trade and how to be a good lawyer. I was an entertainment lawyer here in, in Hollywood, and then uh I was becoming more and more unhappy as I was starting to change and work on myself and my codependency. And I realized my insides and my outsides were in conflict. And during the day, you know, I was playing the role of a lawyer, but that's not what I was interested in reading about. I was reading about uh, psychology and relationships. I never followed the latest cases. I couldn't care less. And uh, so eventually I decided I'd make the shift. And then I remembered that I originally wanted to be actually a shrink and uh, or a psychologist. And so I decided to go back to school uh, midlife and I did that. And then it was such a joy to me to, to do what I always wanted to do. 
and no, then I so started many people who have kind of like you, they've been in one field and then, uh, and, and many times they can make the best therapist. And then at age 40 or something like that, they go back to graduate school. Well, not only have you been in practice, but you've written books. Uh, uh, you've, you've been part of the, uh, the dummy series, the codependence for dummies, uh, conquering shame and codependency, and then dealing with a narcissist. And so you, you, you uh, have kind of a, an expertise in codependency and, and dealing with shame-based individuals and the narcissist. Um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just start with, uh, let's break it down first with uh, your understanding of narcissism. Then I want to dovetail it into your understanding of codependence. When, when you talk about narcissism, what kind of things tend to stand out for you most? What kind of things do you watch for? Well, when I'm referring to narcissism, is I'm not referring to the generic term because there's such a thing as healthy narcissism. It's a stage of development that Freud identified when a child starts feeling like the world is his oyster. Um, an example would be when my um, nephew was, I guess, about 18 months, two years old, and he was in our, my parents' apartment and I was visiting and he's walking around the living room and my mother, the narcissist, says, look, he thinks he owns the place. <laughs> she's jealous like he, already. <laughs> he's intimidated or like he's going to take over. It's just a, a child. Uh, so that's like a healthy, you know, but a mother or whoever is the caretaker can squelch that both for a, a codependent or a narcissist. And I just have to add, a lot of people don't realize that um, narcissism is about 50% inherited. And I see that in my uh, patients. And many times you'll have uh, a narcissistic parent raising a child. So they're going to, they may have the hereditary proclivity to narcissism, and then they get the dysfunctional parenting on top of it. So they get a double whammy. It's funny you mention that because uh, I've actually looked at um, research and there, there's one lady in particular that uh, has done a lot of work with um, twin studies and sibling right. studies. Mm -hmm. And her, her comment is it's about 40 to 60% in, uh, inherited. And so I just split it in the middle, just like what you said. Right. I say, oh, it's probably about 50% inherited and the rest of it is environmental. And then, yeah, there we go. So you and I are, are tracking on the right thing. So when we talk about... Um, that unhealthy form of narcissism that begins to, to emerge. And then it, it begins to show itself in uh, ways that, that would also run parallel with the pattern of codependence. What are we looking at? Okay. So again, we're talking about NPD, uh, narcissistic personality disorder. And uh, that might be a child that's unruly, defiant, willful, um, manipulative, things like that, uh, prone to anger and rage. So as they get older, uh, once they're an adult, you know, uh, personality disorder is enduring. So one of the things with a personality disorder is that people don't think that there's anything wrong with them. Unlike a mood disorder where, you know, I feel depressed yeah. or I'm like inflated, you know, with someone that's bipolar. Uh, with a personality disorder, they think the problem is with other people. They feel normal. And so they have no incentive to change. 
and it's enduring it's hard it's very they can change particularly their behavior uh, but it takes a commitment to therapy and that's a whole other story but the main features are that they uh, want to be admired that they lack empathy and they have a grandiose sense of self it could be uh, in their fantasy, or it could be in talking about their reality of their career or what great talent they have. They're the smartest, they're the best. It's one author considers narcissism the pursuit of perfection. So they may not be so perfectionistic, but they want to think of themselves as perfect. Yeah, a way I put it is uh, they have all these ideals. And, right. they, and they kind of think of themselves as being the gold standard. So if there's a problem with it, like you said, it can't possibly be me. So it must be you. And, and there's where the codependent pattern kicks in because they, they insist that you must join them in their dysfunction. Well, here's where shame kicks in too. Well, I just want to mention a couple other symptoms, which would be exploitativeness, uh, you can think of three E's, like the lack of empathy and uh, entitlement. And research shows that that is the hardest thing for the, the partner to, to live with, the, yeah. the narcissist's sense of entitlement. And, you know, they'll tell me, well, I did this for my husband and this, and I did that and I sacrificed and he won't do this one thing. And I say, you don't understand the mind of the narcissist. You have to communicate and understand from their point of view if you want to get your point across. But with the what ties the codependency to the narcissist, what's key is shame. And having researched and studied all three of these topics, I really see very clearly the link. And when I wrote Conquering Shame, I said that I couldn't really determine which comes first, shame or codependency? So I say they co-emerge out of this dysfunctional environment. So they share symptoms with the narcissist or the inverse, you know, the reverse symptom. And I'll go into that in a minute. But uh, the different one of the differences that the codependent develops these symptoms because of the environment and its learned behavior or model behavior. So it's much more easy for them to change and they have empathy too. So it's more easy for them to change than the narcissist, especially if it's genetic. If it's a personality disorder, it's very enduring and it's very resistant to change. So those are some of the basic difference. You know, the go, ahead. go ahead. The thing with shame, it's a unique emotion in that it can manifest as feeling a lot of shame and inferior, but the defense to it can also be a symptom of shame. So inflation. So I see that the narcissist and the codependent, they both have shame, but one is up here having impaired self-esteem, thinking they're the greatest, and then the codependent thinks that they're less than. Now, the interesting thing is, the narcissist also is insecure, but it's either unconscious or less conscious or only comes out when they have uh, fail or something like that. There's degrees of 
consciousness about their insecurity, but it comes out in, in their behavior because they have to brag and they have to think they're bet arrogant is another symptom. Yeah, think they're talk better about that more, Darlene, because so many uh, narcissists would, uh, if you were to say, well, I, I just sense that you're pretty shame-based, it'd be like, no, you missed on that one, Doc. Uh, yes. and, and yet, <clears throat> there it is. I mean, they don't see it, do they? Well, they might privately. I mean, <clears throat> can't say for all narcissists. So some are insecure. They they ask people a lot of questions. They need a lot of validation. They have what we call a need for this, their narcissistic supply. So if they're told that they're great, it lasts, you know, maybe for a few hours. <laughs> and then it starts all over again. Yeah. So there's a lot of emptiness. That's something you know, they feed me, for. feed me mentality that they operate with right so because of this you, you could also look at a continuum to um codependent someone with very low self-esteem and maybe healthy self-esteem in the middle and then false pride or impaired on the other so you want to get both the codependent and the narcissist you want to get to the middle it's just a healthy sense of yourself not inflated and not um, deflated by your internal critic. And by the way, the narcissist, so here's more about this paradox of, I call it the paradox of shame. So when you're in a deflated, I think of it the superior position, you think you're better than, and the inferior, inferior when you think you're less than. So here's what happens because of the defensive projection. So when you're in the inferior position, you tend to idealize others. You think others are better than you. So a codependent would idealize the narcissist's grandiosity, their boldness, the their agency that they can get things done. We call it the exhibitionist narcissist is called agenic. And they have agency. So they're they're leaders, they're convincers, influencers, they're bold. And so the, the codependent, who typically is more cautious, is going to look up to that. And they will feel good just being around that. It kind of rubs off that that improves their self-esteem. Like, I want to be around somebody who is powerful or famous, and they look up to that. And So early on, it may be a kind of a, a match, but then ultimately a pretty dysfunctional match. That's right. Now, the other thing is if you're in a superior position with like a narcissist, not just narcissists, but people who think they're better than or arrogant, uh, their, their inner critic then will look down on other people. They'll project their criticism and criticism yes. too. So they'll make other people less or uh, they think they're a better class or they have more money or they look down on other races or just individuals, employees things like that. And they think that they're, they're better than, but that critic is then projected on someone else rather than on themselves. So it's kind of a crisscross. I have diagrams in my books explaining so, that. So many people in our audience have been entangled with individuals with that strong condescending mindset and better than, and over time they begin questioning their own validity. Do I matter? Because this person in front of me sure doesn't seem to think so. And I, I guess uh, as time goes on, that narcissist 
can have a way of just whittling away at that other individual's internal sense of resolve, help us understand how that happens and specifically that person who's on the receiving end of it. Well, I just wrote a blog. Actually, I think it was live today on uh, children of um, the symptoms of children of narcissists and okay. addicts. This is very interesting. <laughs> and I know a lot about the addiction um, area too, that uh, children of uh, alcoholics, suffer for this, some of the very same symptoms of children of narcissists. So you have the um, ignoring and shaming of their feelings, of their needs, of their traits, their interests, things like that. And the parent is not attuned to, not empathetic with the child. And every child needs to feel like the parent wants a relationship with them for who they are, not for what they do. That's the difference between Conditional love and unconditional love. Yep. So they don't get that. And then if you have a narcissist, you know, with a, a parent like that, whether it's an alcoholic or another narcissist, they're they're becoming their sense of self and self-esteem is whittled down too. I'm thinking, I'm guessing, I don't know the research on this, but they might end up more the covert narcissist. And the difference between the exhibitionist and the covert is the covert is more moody mm -hmm. and their self-esteem is more shaky. They're more aware of feeling inferior and they're more needy. They, um, they distrust people more. They kind of act like someone with a borderline personality. It's still all about them. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but it's, you know, the sad thing is when you when you're able to see it as a therapist and, and, and you know it once you begin spotting, it's like, wait a minute, something's going on here. And you try to get them to go into that space and, and acknowledge it and and uh, let's work with that. The, the, typically, here comes the blame shifting and uh, no, you got it wrong because it's uh, I, I would I wouldn't have this problem if it weren't for the idiots that have been in my life. And so it, it's so hard for them to access uh, you know, their own pain and, and come to terms with that, what that's all about, isn't it? Yes. And um, that's one of the pro problems with treating a narcissist. It takes a lot of skill and because they will distrust like everybody else. They'll think they're smarter than the, than the therapist. And so it takes a long time just to build trust. So they'll even listen. So you have to kind of do it sideways and boost, go along, join them with their, uh, their feelings of there's nothing wrong. And then you point out maybe how it didn't work out and why do they think that it didn't work out? Yep. So then they're uh, done that. I'd like for you to be aware of my video courses. One is entitled ready, set, connect. Now narcissists are quite capable of throwing you off balance. So this course keeps you focused on the skills and the mindset that are necessary for positive connections. And inside the course, uh, we have various modules that and in, inside each module are lessons and each lesson contains a video, uh, written documents, and then questions that go along with it. We'll discuss things like how to have good conflict resolution skills, building empathy, how to be the authentic self that you need to be. If you're interested in enrolling, you can go to our uh, website, survivingnarcissism.tv, click the link for courses. You'll find Ready, Set, Connect there as well as the others. I hope that you would find them to be quite helpful.
And now back to Surviving Narcissism with Dr. Carter. Okay, one of the, the common themes, I often say that uh, control and codependence are two sides to the same coin. Um, uh, narcissists love to be in the position of control and power, and uh, it's in their vested interest for other individuals to uh, concede their control to that narcissist. Um, talk about how the whole issue of control gets into the relationship here. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. A control is one of the core symptoms of codependency. So I just want to preface this by saying uh, codependence uh, in the family to survive and based on the environment and their personality, they usually will take one of three tracks. Either they will seek power to be in charge, to feel safe and secure, or they'll want to be loved. So that means pleasing and accommodating to the parent, not to make waves. So they'll be safe that way. And then the third track is, well, I'm just gonna uh, step back and I don't wanna get in the mix. I'm just gonna withdraw and watch video games, read my books and not get involved. <clears throat> so the difference between the narcissist is that they seek power and that's how they feel safe. Uh, it's actually a defense. Their whole personality is a defense to their insecurity and their shame. Mm -hmm. So if I'm powerful, I can't, and I'm perfect, I can't be uh, criticized for anything. I can't be hurt. So I'm going to stay in control. And they're always watching the environment, scanning the environment to see who's on top. And it has to be them. And they will use impression management with huge um, yeah with charm. And, and, and i know you've written about the false self yeah. and which is what Char we're talking about charming bragging all that <clears throat> to make you look up to them so they think they're, they're admired in number one when that doesn't work then they discount you and they put you down so first they try the easy way <laughs> and then the hard way but the codependent they to them the most important thing is being loved and accepted so they're going on different tracks. So the, the narcissist will sacrifice the relationship for power, or you could say for themselves. And the codependent will sacrifice themselves to maintain the relationship. Okay, say that again, because that was uh, that, that's worth repeating. Yeah. The narcissist will, is, they're in the pursuit of power, and they will sacrifice the relationship, meaning their partner's welfare and feelings whatever, to be on top, to have that yeah. control and power. The, their partner, the codependent, will sacrifice themselves. They keep giving away more of themselves to please, thinking, now he'll love me. Now she'll do what I want. If I just give her this one more thing, if I buy her another gift, you know, if I go along, you know, they go along to get along. The, our <laughs> narcissist doesn't care about getting along. They want to get ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of getting along. So well stated. You know, and, and as you're talking, you know, I have a background of doing a lot of anger workshops and writing right. about that topic. Both sides of that equation are kind of in a setup mode, if you will, for unhealthy anger. Uh, the, 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 that more narcissistic person is going to be more 
outward and aggressive in their anger, whereas the that one who's just seeking the, the I'll, I'll do whatever I have to do to get accepted, they go into the suppressive mode. And so it can, you know, morph into passive aggressiveness or depression or anxiety. Now, where does the anger factor come into all of this? I'm so glad you brought that up because what you're saying is not just true for anger, but for a lot of symptoms, <laughs> codependent, the, the narcissist, it's not just in these relationships. In a lot of relationships, one partner expresses the disowned parts of another. So one person may be very uh, orderly and their, their partner is very messy. You know, they, they kind of, uh, or one excels and the other one is kind of can't manage their life. And so it's like other parts of them to make them whole. So the, the, Codependent frequently will, either their anger was shamed, which it was in my home, I was like punished for getting angry, uh, or it's they're afraid they'll alienate the person. The narcissist wants to push people away. Their aggression is a way they keep safe. I'm gonna push you away. The narcissist, I mean, the codependent wants to pull you in. So they don't want to express their anger. They're afraid they're risking the relationship. So they keep swallowing it. And that's how, again, how they give up parts of themselves. But so there are two sides of a coin. And when you look at another symptom, dysfunctional communication, the narcissist uh, will be aggressive, as I said, or often passive aggressive. And maybe a covert will be more passive aggressive. And the codependent will be passive they won't speak up or they'll be passive aggressive they'll do it indirectly with behavior yeah late for things or forgetting things um it's a, a way of saying no when you don't have power so and then boundaries the symptom of boundaries they both have dysfunctional boundaries and the codependent this is very interesting the codependent doesn't see themselves they're focused on others. Their boundary, they, they don't have a boundary of themselves. The narcissist is the flip side. They only see themselves. They see others as like stick figures, with no feeling, uh, two-dimensional. So they don't really see others. Other people are just a projection of themselves or what they're feeling. A lot of times they'll... What a combination. What they're thinking about themselves by what they say to you. If they... Um, you know, shame you for putting on weight. They probably think that they're gaining weight or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as you're talking and I, and we only have a few more minutes to go, but I want to, I, I want to address how this can ultimately mushroom and become an abusive kind of a situation. How does that happen? Well, usually after the romance is over, the, narcissists, it takes a lot of effort for them to be winning you over and pleasing you and getting you to love them and like them and get their needs met. So when they finally realize that they do, they don't have much incentive to, um, to please you. So then their other side comes out, the Jekyll and Hyde, and uh, they get impatient if their needs aren't met. They it's mainly the lack of empathy. Yeah. They're both codependents and narcissists are both very sensitive to criticism, but the the narcissist very different the rage 
And here's another thing about shame. Defenses, he rages a defense to shame, aggression. So the narcissist will um, lash out. The codependent will think, oh, they're right. You know, it is my fault. They will attack themselves. So those are different ways that people react to shame. And that happens a lot with couples where one will attack and the other withdraws and then they attack themselves. Yeah. And they go into the, the book and shame. So they'll start, if they're not getting their needs, needs met, if you're not perfect, they'll start finding fault with you. And the more they find fault with you, the less, it's like they destroy the person that they, they loved and they idealized. The person that they looked up wanted, I don't know about looked up, but the person that they wanted to make them look good or that part, yeah. Fall in love with. And by the way, this can be beyond just couples too, right? I mean, you mean oh, yeah. parents or at work or it's friendships siblings, or yeah, siblings or yeah. All those relationships. And by the way, I just don't want to forget to say that in my opinion, narcissists are codependents too. So yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Dependent well, it, I, I'm assuming that um, that person that's more in that uh, passive role, it, would it be fair to say that they may actually have more of a potential for pulling away from this? I mean, because at least they may have an insight that the narcissist may not have. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, they certainly have more potential for healing and a healthy yeah. life. Yeah. The narcissist, it's sad. I mean, they... They didn't choose to be narcissists and they end up, uh, you know, unhappy usually sooner or later. It's everybody else's fault. Well, yeah, either they have failing in business or just old age, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they're they're not, and they push people away. So the, the partner really has uh, an opportunity to reclaim title to themselves and and reclaim my my book is all steps of like exactly what you have to do yeah, to reclaim yourself and you're referring to conquering shame and codependence no i'm referring to this book um dating loving well, I mean, that's, that's dude i haven't one, seen that one okay dating loving and leaving a narcissist outstanding good thank you steps there to either improve a relationship because <clears> a lot of people don't want to leave but they they do the exercises in this book and I have something called um, strategic transactional communication and it's a way to communicate with a narcissist which is different yes communicate so they will hear you and understand from their point of view right so, and then you either improve the relationship or you get stronger and then you can leave if you want to um, you, you were touching on this. I, 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 perhaps we can close with this uh, this one question, and that is, you know, the whole need for self care. But really, that's an extension of your own uh, self nurturance, your self love. And in order for us to get away from these kinds of dysfunctional exchanges, we need to have a, a much more balanced and solid appreciation that middle ground that you were talking about. Uh, with respect to who we are and self-love and esteeming ourselves properly. Let's, let's end with a, with a description. What does that look like? How do we get there? I know that's a huge question. That is so that I think it's really hard for codependence. It's been one of the hardest things for me to learn too. And I think it's hard to do in uh, an abusive relationship without support. 
because you don't know another reality. You don't have people reflecting back to you who you are to remember who you were before you got in this relationship. Well, the, the narcissist is not going to say, hey, tell me what you think about that. <laughs> They're just going to say, here's what you need to think. The problem is the partner keeps going to the narcissist to get approval. It's a, it's, you're just going to get more abuse. So you have to look the other way. And most codependents don't learn how to nurture themselves. They have the low self-esteem. So I have webinars and books on like how to raise your self-esteem. And the first step I would say is start becoming aware of self-criticism. I always say this because that's the number one thing that you can change. And it's the most destructive thing. They used to say that, you know, depression was anger turned inwards. Well, that's shame. That's what shame is. Yeah. And that it could even lead to suicide. Yeah. So you have to start paying attention, write down all your negative self-talk. And it's more than like bubble baths. It's like honoring your feelings, honoring your needs, finding it's out an what an ongoing process, isn't it? It's a process. You have to learn. It's hard to set boundaries if you don't think you have any rights. Yeah. So you have to, and those come from your feelings. What do you feel when someone puts you <clears> down? You know, what do you want? What do you need? And codependents have both narcissists and codependents have a lot of denial around their um, their emotional needs. You know, so, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on a little. Um, th th this is one of my trigger thoughts, and and uh, I'm gonna take what you just said, and then let's add something to it. Okay, you know, they 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 don't see self love as a right. Um, I, I'm thinking, can we take it even further than that? and call it not just a right, but a privilege. Um, I, I have a right to self-love, but it's also a privilege um, for me to love who I am. I, I have an inherent dignity. And oh, uh, I thought I was interpreting privilege as something that's given, you know, you have to earn or something, but I think it's innate. An honor. And uh, Yeah, right. Honor yourself. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. So you got you have so much stuff on your uh, your website, and I, in fact, I told Michaela, uh, my uh, person who works with me on all of this, uh, it's like you got to take a look at Darlene's uh, website. It's it's full of information. So uh, to our audience, make sure you look at Dar it's darlenelancer.com, and um, you you have so much information, and you're such a, a calm presence i so appreciate how you uh present yourself and how you speak into this subject you must be a a wonderful person for people to do therapy with thank you so yeah. i have a website they're linked together but another one is what is codependency.com okay and that's where all my books and and videos and well we'll make sure that we have that information underneath the video and on our uh, podcast as well so the folks can check you out and it'd be worth their while too yeah, if they want to join my mailing list, they'll get a free 14 tips for letting go. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good for you. Hey, Darlene, thank you so much. I mean, thank you so much for being a part of our uh, it's podcast. It's been a pleasure. Very lively conversation. I enjoyed Well, it. and you like to say, we're only scratching the uh, the surface. So <laughs> uh, I hope that folks will take it, take me up on the fact. Go check out um, the websites and, uh, and you'll be glad that you did in the books that Darlene has. Uh, you're a real treasure. Thank you. Okay. Thanks so much. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening. 
Surviving Narcissism is the product of many years of work done by Dr. Les Carter. Dr. Carter is a best-selling author and therapist with more than 40 years of experience, specializing in anger management and narcissistic personality disorder. You can find more content from Dr. Carter on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Surviving Narcissism, as well as on his website, survivingnarcissism.tv. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We are so glad to have you on Team Healthy.